Do radioactive ghosts glow in the dark? Do bugs sleep? And if so, what do they dream about? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Live! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, the comedy paranormal podcast where every week myself and my co-investigator Kit Greer break down, dive into a new paranormal story and come to a conclusion at the end as to whether or not that story is true or it is false. Kit, are you excited today to dive into a new paranormal podcast? I am. I am. Um, No, I am. I am. Yeah, sorry. I was just... I did a whole thing there. I was trying to keep it like, whoo, whoo, high no, no, energy. And I, am, and I am high energy. It's just that last night I was I was out and about in London. I was trying to get back to uh, my accommodation and uh, I missed the last train. Speed it up. I missed the last train. Speed and And uh, oh God, I was on the buses for damn near, get damn near six hours. Uh, had to wait a long time for, six hours for on a the really buses? long bus ride. Uh, yeah. Fell asleep because it was on account of being so late. Woke up. Um, turn, didn't I get on the bus the wrong way? I got on the bus the wrong way. So you spent six hours on a bus heading in the wrong direction. I just got here. Okay. From last night. And you haven't slept at no, all? No, I haven't. So I'm, but I'm committed to being here for a great episode of this Paranormal Life. And I'm going to bring the energy. I just want to have to cut around. Just a couple of yawns. Just a couple of yawns. Yeah. We're going to have to cut around them, but we have a good editor. And Maybe I even just do them it. off mic as well. That would probably help no, a little bit. I just even talking about them. It's just... Sorry. Uh, well, let's warm I'm you up. I'm excited, though. I'm let's, excited, though. Let's warm you up. The first questions on today's podcast. Do bugs sleep? That sounds good right about now. I bet they do. <laughs> because I know bad, I, lo- well, I love one, being as snug as a bug in a rug, and I bet they do, too. So probably, yeah. Well, Kit, you're going to want to crank up that energy, my friend. Huh? Because today's story is a wild one. <laughs> Rory just put on sunglasses as if his... You're damn right I did, brother. <laughs> For God's sake. Rory has just put on a tinfoil hat. In six years of doing this show, 300 plus episodes, we've never actually had tinfoil hats. If you give this one a yes, you're going to get your own hat too. <laughs> I was Don't gonna worry. Say, do I get one? You just have one? Okay. Uh, I'll decide whether or not your mind should be wiped by the end of this, of this podcast. It's very worrying that uh, we've covered a lot of hard-hitting cases over the years. I dread to think what this case involves if this, for the first time, pushed you over the edge into needing a tinfoil hat. Well, do you know why I think your mind has already been wiped? (laughs) Because this case was suggested to us in 2017 by an individual called Tim Dome, and you responded to Tim's email saying, great suggestion, bud. I'll definitely look into this one. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I literally just saw that in our email inbox. Well, I was probably sleepy then too, and I probably fell asleep fully intending on looking into it. Or maybe, Kit, maybe you spent all night researching this case and you were like, wow, I think we're really onto something crazy here. And then a little neuralizer goes off and all of a sudden you don't even remember that you looked into it in the first place. So you're inferring that the tinfoil hat protects you from the neuralization? Is it that does. the idea? It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it also keeps chicken warm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I th- I, I'm seeing some gravy stains on that one, so it feels like it's had dual purpose for a couple days. Yeah, it's been keeping chicken warm for uh, the last two weeks. But now, it's going to help me go cold turkey. <laughs> okay. From the lies. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's cooking your brain. I think the heat 
from the chicken. Also, There's hot grease running down the back of my neck. Why is it like a little berry? Like it's got a little <laughs> nub on the top. Why did you, why did you design it like that? It's so that I can communicate. It needs an antenna rod. <laughs> So I can still communicate <laughs> with a, those above us. It's a tinfoil beret. <laughs> it's a French paranormal investigator. Look, to find out why I feel the need to wear this tinfoil hat, we're going to have to dive into today's episode. But first, how about a quick word from today's sponsors? And a reminder, you can get every episode ad-free on Patreon.com. Today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So barely was, started, was, man. That was a big one, too. Yeah, big get that are. out of the way. Woo. Get that out of the way, yeah. Today, we're going back to 1947. Our story begins on June 21st, on board a little wooden boat, floating off the coast of Maury Island, just a little southwest of Seattle, Washington. For reference, if you're wondering where 1947 sits in terms of paranormal history, this was before the term flying saucer even existed. Wow. Harold Dahl and Fred Kriesman were harbor patrolmen out keeping an eye on the other boats in the water between Sandy Shores and Summerhurst. Harbor patrolmen, I assume, is just fancy talk for sea police. Yeah. A sort of an Aquaman type situation. But today? Oh, just sorry. Just adjusting I, your tinfoil yeah, hat. And I delivered that with a bit too much excitement. But today, there wasn't really much to patrol. Sorry, I just. It looked like you so were holding is, on to your tinfoil hat, hat not, because of the excitement. I but made actually, it too small, I not, think, so it's, it's a little tiny. hard. To, it's really small. I kind of thought, all right, just kind of... You look like a Pikmin. Smash that down a little bit, sorry. <clears throat> but today... Oh, again, too much energy. But today, there wasn't really much to patrol. It was a quiet afternoon. The calm waves were lapping the shore, and seagulls cawed overhead. But their tranquil afternoon was about to be disturbed. All right, we get it. Can we get to whatever's about to happen? <laughs> and Today, <not laughs> it was calm. But tomorrow, also calm. And they weren't about to be disturbed by something in the water. But maybe the skies. You need to take that hat off. You can't <laughs> string a sentence together. None of this makes any sense. As they sat back, admiring the blue skies, they noticed something. Something small reflecting the sunlight. Huh? Hey, Harold, what do you think that could be up there? Well, I'll be damned. I've never seen anything like it. These six little objects were coming down towards the ocean, and as they got closer, Harold and Fred realized they weren't so little after all. Harold grabbed the radio and tried to make contact with the Coast Guard. Coast Guard, this is uh, Harbor Patrol. We got a situation unfolding here that uh, might warrant your attention. Hello? Coast Guard, do you copy? We knocked the receiver on the console trying to get it to work. Damn, thing's not working. It's like there's some interference. Harold glanced upwards again to see that these shiny crafts were not in the distance anymore. They were right above them. Oh my God. Jesus Christ, what are those things? Before Harold and Fred could figure out what the hell was going on, one of the objects started oozing hot liquid metal. What? The strange substance started raining down onto the water and the boat. That is not okay. Right? This is one of the first times we've ever heard of this in a paranormal story before. Yeah. Some sort of liquid metal oozing out of a craft. 
Yeah, some things these are gone horribly wrong on some kind of freight aircraft carrier type thing that's uh there's somehow liquid metal coming out. Or this is a xenomorph from the alien franchise. I believe their blood or their drool was acid. Oh, yeah, it would burn through uh stuff. Space metal. Yes. All I'll say is maybe it wasn't such a great idea to laugh at the dude with the tinfoil hat. <laughs> When the liquid space metal is coming down from the sky. I don't know, right? I, I don't know if that beret is going to protect you from anything. I can see most of your hair, even though you're wearing a hat. So I don't think it's going to protect much. <laughs> yeah, a blob lands on my head. I catch on fire immediately. <laughs> it was an accelerant. It made things worse. <laughs> now, while this rainstorm of liquid metal poured down on them, Fred ran to his bag. He knew he had a camera packed with him, and taking a picture of these crafts was the only way people would ever believe them. Getting evidence? It's raining liquid metal. Run for your life. Yeah, but this is the problem. If all of a sudden you sh arrive back at the shore with this tall tale, let's face it, kid, we've been in this situation before. People no, we aren't haven't. gonna. No one's been in well, this situation before. Well, we've talked about this situation before. People aren't gonna believe you unless you have the photographs. So he grabbed the camera from his bag and started snapping wildly at the skies. Fred ended up taking so many pictures, he filled up the whole film reel. And it was a good thing that he did, because within seconds, this strange fleet of metal saucers zipped off into the distance. Wow, this was a, a hit and run incident. What an encounter. Yeah, they basically claim they saw a whole fleet of UFOs dump their garbage into a lake and then jet off to another planet. They got hit by an extraterrestrial drunk driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who fled the scene. Pretty intense start, I will admit, to uh, today's case. Absolutely. But like a lot of these UFO stories that we investigate, they often go from zero to one million miles per hour because that's how fast these motherfuckers fly. Yeah, that's the problem with even movies about aliens. It's kind of hard to tiptoe around or kind of gently have aliens enter a scene. Your scene's either got aliens in it or it doesn't. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's zero to a hundred by definition. Yeah, uh, a regular cryptid story or a case about a ghost, you would say, this is moving pretty fast. A case involving a UFO, it's traveling at six gorgons per second. <laughs> That's how fast it's going. It just broke the Zoncter scale. <laughs> Gorgons are the same as miles. It's six miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But it just sounds cooler when you use some space terms. I guess the one good thing about uh, this case is, uh, yes, you do need the photographs to prove that these crafts did appear. But also, they kind of just dumped all their shit on you. So you do have some physical evidence because they chucked it out their window. Yeah, in theory. Uh, but where did this liquid metal land? Did it land on the water or did it land on land? Brother, it landed everywhere. <laughs> it killed a dog. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't going to include that in the script because it's a bit of a downer, but it did. It hit a dog and I think immediately fossilized it. <laughs> it was Han Solo style, frozen in carbonite. <laughs> he became a popsicle. He really did. Frozen solid. Okay, so we do, because I thought maybe if this landed under the ocean that these guys were going to have a convenient excuse for why we're not seeing any liquid metal, but you're saying it was on land. They got to look at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, this shit. It's like uh, the time I accidentally exploded a squeezy stress ball. What do you mean? Is there something inside it? Goo. 
No, there isn't. Yeah, it's goo inside of a... Not the foam ones, but the goo (laughs) ones. (laughs) Well, no shit. (laughs) I I do sympathize with you destroying a a goo ball uh, to see what is inside because... I seem to remember whenever there's a certain age of kid where you're kind of interested in this stuff. I seem to remember gr- growing up, you know, someone would have like a lava lamp. Oh, yeah. And, and you'd be like, wow, it's so cool. Let's smash it to see what's inside. And then all the goo would just come out and it's like, oh, no, I couldn't have <laughs> predicted this. Goo? Goo is inside? The problem is in the paranormal realm, you can't just go around cutting into things to see what's inside them. Because last I checked from the story of Bob Lazar and the S4 facility, a guy tried to drill into a, an orb and died instantly. <laughs> right, you just have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. We've said it before on the podcast, if you, uh, if you start trying to drill into something or do some kind of experiment, and then the next person to give you a helping hand is Jesus, it didn't go well. You should not have been doing that. The two men sailed back to the shore in silence. Understandably, what on earth had they just witnessed? There was no way anyone was going to believe their story, even if they did have photographs. But just as I said, kid, they did have some physical evidence. Down on the deck of the boat was pools of this strange liquid metal. With the metal samples combined with the photographs... Where is the dog? All right. You want evidence? This is why I didn't want to bring up the dog. Lift the mummified (laughs) chihuahua and bring it to a police station and say, explain this, doc. Yeah, I like to think it was like a Pomeranian, like a tiny, (laughs) tiny little dog. Look, I don't know what they did with the dog. Maybe he fell off the boat or something. And that son of a bitch definitely sunk. How do you know that this happened then? You were very sure that there was a dog destroyed by this. They said that there was a dog that was killed by the metal. Apparently, the metal also landed and burned someone's arm. Jeez. Uh, but these are these are just small little details. I'm not wearing this hat because a dog died. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing this hat because a UFO craft dumped a f***ing alien piss over a boat floating in a river. Okay? That's why I'm doing All it. All I'm saying is... It- <laughs> If you need evidence, don't be picking up the little chunks and being and showing someone a chunk of metal and going, it's alien piss, don't you see? <laughs> Show them the mummified dog. You said it was instantly fossilized. <laughs> Show them that. The dog can fly now. He can do a bunch of crazy shit. Uh, you can't send a dog in the mail. So what they send is a few pieces of metal and some photographs of the crafts. Luckily, Fred knew exactly where to send this evidence. The police? No. The FBI? Absolutely not. not. He sent it straight to Raymond A. Palmer, the editor of his favorite monthly magazine, Amazing Stories. (laughs) Raymond A. Pomeranian, a dog (laughs) enthusiast who would be heartbroken. Uh, So Fred went to go get the pictures developed at the counter of his local pharmacy. Okay, fair enough. This seems like a publication which will probably be pretty interested in publishing the story, but is this really a reputable news source they can rely on? Uh, No. I believe this is some sort of monthly magazine that uh, specializes in paranormal and otherworldly stories. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so while this might seem like the perfect place to send something paranormal like this, this is not uh, a newspaper or what I would call to be a reputable uh, media outlet gotta start somewhere 
So as I said, Fred went to get the pictures developed at the counter of his local pharmacy. Hi, welcome to Richard's Pictures. I need this reel developed immediately. Sure thing. That'll be 26 cents, sir. Here. Did you get up to anything fun? A vacation? Family birthday, maybe? Yeah, something like that. When the developed photos were returned, Fred was stunned. He's wearing a party hat. That's why the guy asked. <laughs> He's just completely lost it. Fred was stunned. The photos were a bitter disappointment. Each and every one of them had huge, cloudy artifacts obscuring the entire frame. It was like the film had been exposed to radiation. Hmm, okay. Because there's many reasons why you could f*** up a roll of film, any number of them, but it is true that radiation and film do not mix. Uh, you know, you're not even really supposed to put, let's say, film or film camera in, let's say, carry-on luggage at the airport because if it goes through the x-ray scanning machine, it can destroy the film. Wow, I didn't realize that. So this is a legit science. That's pretty cool. So I can destroy footage and evidence by putting it in an x-ray machine. I mean, I guess so, you, could, uh, you could destroy it any number of ways. Yeah. So like sure. film reels, tax returns. No. A hammer. <laughs> I could, I could, you're saying I could put this in an x-ray machine and poof, it's, no. it's all gone? No, no, because it, it only interacts with the chemicals that are present in uh, old analog film. Uh, those are not present in, what did you say, tax returns? And hammers, hammer. yeah. Hammers, plural. Yeah. I need to get rid of some hammers. Far be it for me to say how you should, it sounds like, dispose of a weapon, I'll be honest. No one said weapon. No one said Object, weapon, brother. Um, and you better watch who you're accusing of what, or you're going to get the hammering of a lifetime. <laughs> okay, so you did hammer somebody. <laughs> you did hammer somebody. Uh, uh, no, this is, you're right, this is a super interesting thing because I remember this is one of the reasons why there uh, aren't a ton of fantastic photos of Chernobyl, for example. Um, people, people who were taking photographs of the event, the film footage was literally destroyed in the cameras while trying to take it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's insane. Um, so while, hey, while some people might say, oh, that's pretty convenient that the footage looked like it was taking pictures of a fish underwater, uh, it also could be that uh, the radiation in the area was very high. And he thought he was cooking. He thought he had photo evidence of these six craft floating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, luckily, we still have the photographs, even if they're not great, and we still have uh, a sample of this alien material. And this setback didn't stop Fred. He still sent the photos and the metal material to Ray Palmer at Amazing Stories, hoping that he could make some sense out of it. I will just say you're out of your damn mind if you're sending the originals through the post of paranormal evidence. Because let me tell you, someone who's been on that journey, I'm going to tell you how that's going to go. Right. You're going to talk to the CIA and they're going to go, huh. That's a really interesting story you just told us. Oh, why don't you send us through some of the evidence, buddy? And you're like, oh, sure. And you put it in a parcel and then you send it off and you go, uh, hey, guys, I sent it off a few days ago. Did you get it? And they go, huh, well, no, we didn't, chief. I <laughs> yeah, guess yeah. it must have got lost in the mail. You wouldn't happen to have another, would you? And you're like, no, I sent you the only one. Oh, well, that's too bad. Case closed. <laughs> but look. Ray Palmer is different, all right? This is a man who's dedicated his life to amazing stories. And what story is more amazing than this? 
people having a first-hand experience with a UFO. This is exactly the kind of stuff that Ray Palmer wants to hear. Well, at the headquarters of Amazing Stories, Ray Palmer read Fred's submission about the silver discs and the strange liquid metal. Now, any other day, Ray might have thought that Fred was a crackpot, but it just so happened that he had heard a similar report from an old retired pilot named Ken Arnold not long before. Captain Ken was piloting a private plane around Washington State when suddenly an array of bright flashes caught his attention off to his left. They were moving at breakneck speed, an estimated 1,700 miles per hour. Yo! Uh, Yo, do you um, hear what I said there about the crafts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog? No, the no, dogs. no, the crafts. I, look, I know you didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Yeah, but, yeah, the... Uh, uh, We've got to push through with a lot of this. Cause I'm it's, good. Bro, there's a I'm lot good. of stuff that's going to be important. Bro, I'm good. Sorry. Thing, no, so. I'm with it. So they saw the six crafts and they photographed them. So what do they do with the photographs? So much stuff has happened since then. So huh? much stuff that you've been a part of. You've been having full-fledged conversations with me. or something. I, <laughs> You're gonna have to recap. I didn't. I don't. I didn't know any of that. So they saw the six dogs flying, and they peed all over everyone. Is that was was going on? <clears throat> Sorry, it's just. I think if it was more of an interesting story, maybe like I, I know I am tired, but I'm starting to think maybe it's the story that's like sending me to sleep. Is that possible? N- I just said that he saw UFOs jetting across the horizon at 1,700 miles per hour. Yeah, I might, I might be tired. That might be. That might be <laughs> what's like, going on. Yeah. It's just not grabbing me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. Uh, In context, that's not far off the speed of the fastest plane in existence right now. Back in the 40s, shit don't fly like that. Right. I think. And that's not a phrase to say that um, that wasn't acceptable. Like that (laughs) shit doesn't fly in the 40s. It means that that shit literally didn't fly in the 40s. Yeah. The 40s, I think we were still on our Flintstone shit, yeah, if, like pedal planes and stuff. If you wanted to fly back then, you needed a guy to, start, to stand at the front of your plane and spin the propellers. <laughs> right, Do you remember yeah. that shit? <laughs> That's some Sturt Little shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> it, couldn't just, it couldn't just go on its own. It needed a guy to swing the propellers. Was that ever, was that a real that thing? That was real, they yeah. Had to, yeah, 100%. S- swing to get it going? It was like a fucking lawnmower. You had to like give it a good couple tugs to get it going that's crazy god forbid you landed in the middle of nowhere somewhere it's like ah, i guess i'm just gonna starve to death in the wilderness because i don't have a guy don't to, have to spin do... <laughs> spin the propeller for me like a wheel of fortune <laughs> it's kind of like uh, i think i've mentioned it on the podcast before but uh growing up my dad had a car that couldn't start by itself we luckily lived at the top of a very big hill And every morning before he went to work, we would have to basically push him (laughs) out the driveway uh, so that his car would basically have a rolling start. (laughs) And I guess it would be similar to these planes that would help the the engine or the car (laughs) turn on. Uh, Didn't realize how ridiculous that was until we kind of grew up. Yeah, that's going to be that story is going to be annoying as fuck. When you're when you have kids and you're telling them about your childhood and they were like, we don't care. Yeah, we don't give a we shit. Don't like, care my, I had to push my father out the door <laughs> to get to work. I'm just me and an old folks home with my tinfoil hat on. <laughs> just lifting down chicken wings from the bowl in the middle of the hat. <laughs> Captain Ken counted nine individual silver disc-shaped crafts. He actually got a good enough look at these things that he was able to sketch them too. Kit, take a look at these. 
Whoa! I will say I'm disappointed that Ken wasn't enough of a patriot to simply uh, gun them down. Yeah, this was a sketching. Uh, this was a private plane, so unless he was packing heat, uh, just in his pockets, and f and did a drive-by, I don't think he was necessarily had a, an aircraft with any onboard artillery. Well, I'm sorry that Ken doesn't believe in the Second Amendment like me, but uh, no, you, you're you're right. That's fair enough. If he wasn't in the Air Force, he's probably more likely to have a pen and paper than a machine gun in the cockpit. What we're looking at here is two objects, one on the right, very interesting looking, quite hard to describe, almost like a somewhat cool but standard sort of uh, UFO saucer shape, but with a complete left turn in that has big kind of pointy curved bits coming out of it. Yeah, it looks almost like a, some sort of kite. It does. Like being a, that, that's pushed a, with the, or a, um, or the a, sail of a Yeah, um, almost like a parachute or ship. A, a sail. That's a really good one. The one on the left, it is it is the Halo from the Halo series. <laughs> it's a it's penny. It's the ring. It's just a circle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he kind of maybe put a, a lot of work into that first one. <sighs> and he was like, didn't you say there were more? Yeah. Oh, f yeah. Oh, the others, they were just, uh, they're round. They look like a dinner plate. But I'll give it to you. Both completely novel saucer designs, as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen ones described like that. Captain Ken said, They flew very close to the mountaintops, directly south to southeast down the hogback of the range, flying like geese in a diagonal chain line, as if they were linked together. They were flat, like a pie pan, and so shiny they reflected the sun like a mirror. Hmm. Really strange description. Both of these cases were convincing enough that Ray Palmer decided to investigate. So he flew to visit Fred and Arnold and even took Captain Ken with him to see if altogether they could work out what was going on. I love this little boy's trip, trying to get to the bottom of it. Right? They're like, look, I'm the guy who puts the stories together. You say you saw something. You guys say you saw something as well, all within a few days of each other. Let's get together, compare our stories, and see if we can crack this. Specifically, in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, I'll bring a couple cigars. <laughs> all expenses paid, of course. But when they arrived, Fred and Arnold were less than cooperative. Oh? And we're about to find out why. Just after a quick word from today's sponsors. If you are somebody who loves all things spooky, then Real Life Ghost Stories podcast is the one for you. My name is Emma. I am the host of Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. And every week I bring to you three podcast episodes that are full to the brim with paranormal stories. Every Wednesday and Friday, I release a mini episode which is dedicated to the spooky stories of our listeners. And every Sunday, we deep dive into a famous paranormal case. You can find Real Life Ghost stories wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash paranormallife today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paranormallife. All right, we are now back in our story, where Captain Ken and Ray Palmer have come to visit Fred and Arnold to find out if they can figure out what happened that night. But as we said, Fred and Arnold were less than cooperative. In fact, neither of them even wanted to talk in the first place. When they reluctantly agreed, any information that Ray and Ken did get out of them was full of discrepancies. When asked about the foggy photos, Fred said he couldn't remember what he'd done with them. And when questioned on why they hadn't reported what they'd seen to any form of authority in the six weeks since it happened, the men shrugged. <laughs> the men were half-baked, playing round of Mario Kart after Mario Kart and eating nothing but Kraft macaroni and cheese. This isn't exactly what you want from your UFO witnesses. You kind of want them to be like, I'm so glad you're here. We've been thinking about this nonstop. Here's our illustrations of the craft and what we believe we saw. Whereas, like, these guys have kicked down. It's like, we're here to talk about the UFOs. And they're like, oh, yeah, that whole thing. Uh, hey, Fred, do you remember the UFOs? Kind of yeah. just bumble. Not really. <laughs> he says, not really. <laughs> but, Kit, did these two men really all of a sudden decide that they didn't want to talk about UFOs? Or did someone tell them not to? Uh, believe it or not, later in life, Harold Dahl would go on to say that before he could talk to Ray and Ken about what he had seen, a mysterious black Buick rolled up to his house and a man in a dark suit knocked on his door. Harold claims that the man knew about the report and told him that if he spoke about it anymore, there would be dire consequences. It's the MIBs. We know this, we've talked about them before. They've come up on many episodes of this podcast. What is so interesting about them in this case is, believe it or not, this is actually one of the first ever reported encounters with yeah. an MIB. Yeah, I mean, this is coming up on, well, whatever, a bloody long time ago. Uh, this is a really long time ago to be talking about something that's still in such common discussion today. Yeah, Secret agents shutting down the paranormal from some sort of shadowy government facility. This is long enough ago that there were probably BIBs, boys in black. They were not men yet. They had not had their bar mitzvahs. They were still children in suits going around warning people. The guns were probably the size of their, their torsos. Uh, you know, not to be confused with uh, the equivalent organization here in the UK, the lads in black. Right, of course, yeah. Or the bruvs in LIBs. black. LIBs. I do love the idea of a uh, a child in a full suit with sunglasses and a revolver half the size of his body knocking on your door one day and just going, you will forget what you saw, pulls the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> the kickback is so strong, he takes off like a rocket. <laughs> oh! <laughs> he goes into the horizon. <laughs> now, Captain Ken, God bless his heart, was still very convinced about what he'd seen. Uh, all he could do was report this whole thing up the chain, including Fred and Arnold's strange story of liquid metal, flying saucers, 
and mummified puppies. And when it did move up the chain, two U.S. Army intelligence officers were sent from Hamilton Air Force Base to conduct an independent investigation. Even though there's no real evidence for this case, it was taken seriously to the point where the U.S. Army did actually send independent investigators to come check it out. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, it's the same kind of activity we see with the Air Force and with the government organizations today, which is that these stories, of course, they're of primary interest to people like us, people who wear tinfoil hats, sure. uh, because they might be UFOs. But um, for better or worse, the Air Force, they have to take this stuff seriously, even just from the perspective of national security. They're like, okay, a guy says he saw an alien spacecraft. We have to check to see whether it's actually, uh, you know, a Russian spy plane. Yeah. Or something. So there's this kind of strange thing where even though most people in those organizations have little interest in the paranormal, they do have to investigate these things. Oh, yeah. Even if they're not involved in the story whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I assume when Darth Vader was building the Death Star and the whole fleet of rebels attacked, there was also probably two U.S. Army intelligence officers who were like, hey, uh, we're just tagging along. We just want to check out and see what this thing is. Uh, we don't have any beef with anyone, but uh, we have to figure out if those are Russians. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, someone said Sith. We don't know what that is. And everyone's talking about the Force all of a sudden. That <laughs> shit sounds really f***ing weird. We're just going to do a 180 of the whole thing. Uh, see if there's any weak spots. You guys go about your day. All good. All good. Yeah. Unfortunately, the investigation of these two independent intelligence officers did not paint Fred and Harold in the best light. They claim that Fred and Harold weren't actually harbor patrolmen, uh, but scavengers <laughs> of floating lumber. <laughs> Their boat was described as barely seaworthy. All right, this is getting personal. <laughs> and the alien metal that they had retrieved as evidence was from a local smelter plant. They went on to say that Harold smelled bad and that Fred was ugly, which seems deeply unnecessary. Some, some real personal blows, yeah. Uh, regardless of their conclusions, the Air Force officers took the samples of the quote alien metal as evidence and boarded a plane back to the airfield. But that plane would never reach its final destination. Mid-flight, a fire broke out on the left wing, sending the plane barreling towards the earth. And both men were killed. Jesus. Isn't that intense as hell? That's awful. Wow. And the strange metal was never recovered. Oh, God. I told you, don't send the originals. <laughs> don't send the originals. But this is how they got it. They were like, they were like, oh, listen, this is so f***ing stupid. Uh, I don't believe a word you guys are saying. Uh, yeah, we'll take a look at the alien metal. Yeah, we'll take that off your hands, guys. Yeah, yeah. And then their plane goes down. They got too close to it. So frustrating. So is there no more metal? I thought you said this thing pissed metal all over the place. Apparently that was the only sample that they, Where is that the they had left. Why can't move past? You said there's a fossilized dog. We're all thinking about it. We're all thinking about it. I don't Where know what happened to the this? dog. I, fossilization was maybe a bit of a dramatic uh, version of what happened it to the dog. It was vaporized. <laughs> Look, there could have obviously just been some sort of normal accident with the plane that caused it to catch on fire. But Ken Arnold... He was convinced the crash was a result of extraplanetary sabotage. What? 
He thinks that the aliens took it down? I think so. Why? I don't know. They, what? I think, uh, so, I don't know. So the aliens were chill <laughs> with Harold and Fred having the, the medal for months yeah. after the incident? They were like, we'll just let, yeah, they're not hurting anyone with it. But as soon as a guy it. with a badge and a uniform took it, they were like, oh, hell no. Yeah. Oh, hell no. They're like, oh, shit, they're about to take it to the U.S. military. Yeah! And like, pew! Zapped them out of the the sky. I like that you did you did a laser gun noise to begin with, but actually here in the room you did a, did a Harry whip. Potter wand. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what he believes is that for some reason there was some sort of extraplanetary sabotage, a term I've never heard before. Where extraplanetary sabotage makes it sound like it wasn't even that magic; it was just like a little alien snuck into the hangar and like fucking cut a wire and then ran away. Like, they didn't use space lasers to shoot them down. It just makes it sound like, yeah, they did some sneaky tampering. I don't know if I buy all that. I know we're not having an, uh, a debate about it right now, but, you know, sometimes things are uh, too coincidental to be true, but I don't know, man. Uh, do we really believe that the aliens, they really cared about this this metal sample that badly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a loaded magnum pointed to the back of your head. I don't know who's pulling the trigger. No, look, I think uh, this is the this is the hard part about this case today. It's a really wild story, but usually in these paranormal cases, something like this happens to one person, mm. and they are the leader of the story, and we have to decide whether or not we believe them. There are so many people involved in this to certain degrees that... You could almost agree with one person, not agree with someone, and then the person you thought you agreed with says the maddest thing of all. Yeah. And now you're completely turned around. And that's what kind of happens. Ken Arnold, who was the retired pilot, he seems like he should be the one who has their head screwed on the best. And they're like, all right, everyone said that there was nothing. The two guys who, yes, they died in a plane crash, but they also said there was nothing. Can we all agree, Ken, right, that this was nothing? And Ken's like... Those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning of the intergalactic war. It's like, oh, oh god. I kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're telling, you're telling all your family. It's like, <laughs> listen, nothing went on here. If you don't believe me, ask reputable ex-army pilot Captain Ken. Ken, please say something, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Grab your weapons. <laughs> Start stockpiling water, food, medicine, because the war is coming and it's coming to our doorstep. Look to your left, then look to your right. One of the individuals beside you is not from Earth. <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Their blood. <laughs> now! <laughs> no one knows what to do, but he starts firing guns. <laughs> <laughs> this is him talking to a school, him talking to a primary school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might think you've known each other since... Since first grade, but I would ask you to reconsider. Yeah, it was a day where they they get industry professionals to come in to talk to the children. <laughs> careers day. Yeah, careers day. And now uh, um, Captain Ken here is to talk about how rewarding it can be to have a career in the U.S. military. <laughs> Trust me, kids, you're just going to be in the Earth's military for when the next battle <laughs> kicks off. Yeah, Ken, uh, Ken's journey is a bit of a complicated one, like everyone's journey uh, with this case. And, you know, on this podcast, we've said it many times before, while we are paranormal investigators, it's also incredibly important we play the role of the skeptic mm -hmm. to make sure that uh, the listeners of the show have all the facts before they make their decisions. 
it turned out that there was a few alarming correspondences found between Fred, one of the men who'd seen the craft, and Ray Palmer. All right, let's get this over with. What did he say? <laughs> what did he say? This back and forth was more than a year before the Mari Island incident took place, uh, where Fred had written to Ray, warning him that the knowledge contained in the sci-fi stories that he was publishing was too dangerous to print. Oh? Fred had also falsely identified himself as a former Air Force pilot. Uh-oh. <laughs> and claimed at one point that he'd been exploring a cave when something attacked him with a ray gun and shot a hole in his arm. Oh, God damn it. Oh, God damn it. I'm glad that you've brought this up so that I didn't do an entire other episode about the cave story <laughs> another time. You're not going to believe what happened to him in that cave, brother. <laughs> a couple of months later, Fred wrote again, promising to get photographs of a giant subterranean machine he'd seen while exploring another cave. You know, just fellas being dudes, just exploring yeah. caves, you know. Finding find underwater an ancient technology. Machinery, uh, Promising uh, pictures that never arrive. Uh, Ray offered Fred $250 if he could get a photograph. I like that, calling his bluff. Yeah, and being like, dude, if you have them, I'll pay. I will pay. Yeah. But you need to give me the photograph. <laughs> Our next correspondence, I want to be the photograph. Yes. Not, not the story from a third cave. <laughs> 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 yeah, because 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 you told me a lot about the ray gun, and and that incident, and then the, when I asked more about it, you talked about a second cave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm just and I worried. will get you those photos, but I've seen a bigger machine. I just want <laughs> to let you know. I just want to let you know. I've seen a bigger one. I I could waste both of our time sending you pictures of the first machine, but I've been to a third cave. <laughs> yeah, and I'm three for three with these caves. I don't know how many caves full of supernatural shit there is out there, but I'm finding them. <laughs> it's like. All this time spent gathering and sending you evidence could be cave four, five, six. We don't know what's out there. I need to be finding caves. Just start caves. printing my letters. Just start printing my letters. <laughs> this is the evidence. You're looking at it. Uh, needless to say, no photographs ever arrived in any form. Hey, I'm, I, maybe this is an approach we should take. You know, we've for years and years now, I've been asking for our audience to send us paranormal experiences, evidence, and so on. And money. Maybe we need to, well, no, I'm saying maybe we need to oh, right. cough up cash. Oh, start offering And we, and we need it. to say, go, all right. Yeah, 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 whatever. You saw a ghost in the Edinburgh f***ing vaults. Uh, we need to see photos. We want videos. Right. And if you send them right. to us, do it like you've been framed. For any video or photo that we use on the podcast, we will pay you cash. That's not a bad idea. It genuinely is Put a bounty on these motherfucking ghost heads. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable that there isn't more of a, like, top 10 paranormal most wanted style list. Yeah. Where it's like, there's 10 grand on Bigfoot's fucking nutsack. If you can drag his hairy balls into the sheriff's office and prove that you killed him, it's like, there you go, there's your bounty. 10 grand. Now, look, while we do have some problems with uh, maybe Fred as being a, a believable paranormal witness... I will say, no one ever doubted Captain Ken Arnold's word for a second. He was an experienced pilot and a well-respected citizen. However, because Harold and Fred's story got so irreversibly tangled up in his own, in the end, he actually deeply regretted making his story public and vowed to stay silent about anything he might see in the future. The dog and Yeezy's effect. It's quite sad, isn't it? Because 
you know, think back to this story and how it took place. While we started with Harold and Fred's story, Captain Ken's sighting came way before theirs. Yeah. He was the first person who saw it. In fact, he was like, he was like, look, I'm just coming to you because I think I saw these things out the window and I want to figure out what's going on. And it was Ray Palmer who was like, yeah, it's really interesting you say that because these two borderline pirates <laughs> also say their dog was hit by liquid metal. And Captain Ken has to be like, all right, yeah, that's... No, I, like, I don't want to say like we shouldn't believe them because I want people to believe me, but maybe can we look at these as like separate cases? You know, maybe two, two individual ones. And then, you know, Ken gets dragged along to this trip and Harold and Fred are like, they have to take us seriously. It's like, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, guys. Let's, uh, yeah, they should take, yes, they should take look at every case individually and come to a conclusion, yeah. Ken, We're Ken. all in this together now, boys. Again, I think maybe separate cases. <laughs> Ken, Ken just can't get away from these people. He's at a UFO conference telling his story in all his gritty detail. <laughs> a guy stands up in the audience. I saw them too. <laughs> they made love to me. <laughs> Sit down, sit down. Another <laughs> no, one stands up. Yes. <laughs> they did it to me too. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I was rectally examined by the beast. It wasn't a beast. They didn't set foot on the earth. <laughs> they're all, it's too late. They're all chanting, Ken, 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 Ken. No, this was a huge mistake. I regret this. I'm leaving this town. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a real problem uh, that we have had before in UFO cases. One person has one experience and it gets wrapped up in, in, in a phenomena, in a spread, in a flurry of sightings. And all it takes is for one little f***er to make up a lie or take it too far because mm. they want a bit of attention to kind of ruin the story for everyone. And in this case, it was ruined so much for Ken that, yeah, he said that even if E.T. walked up and happy slapped him in the nuts... He, he wouldn't speak a word of it to anyone. And this is the problem. This is the problem with how human beings, us, people like us who investigate these cases, and just anyone who reads these stories, is the way they think, the way the human brain works, Yeah, is that once the, the seeds of doubt have been sown, I don't know what the rest of that statement is. They can't be unsown. But it, you can't eat it, them? It's done. Uh, yeah. Basically, even if the rest of the story, the original story, is great and it's believable and fantastic, once the seed has been planted that it might be bollocks, it's very hard to then mentally move past that. hundred. We know that too well on this podcast. As soon as there is just an inch of doubt, it's very hard uh, to continue the case uh, with full belief. Uh, one thing while we're talking about Ken's story that mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up uh, was, I have to say, I was getting a little bit excited whenever you were describing what he saw and the type of the UFO encounter. Because, not gonna lie, it was starting to sound a little bit like another paranormal encounter uh, we talked about quite recently, that of the Phoenix Lights. Yeah. The, the, the argument in the Phoenix Lights was all these lights flew in formation over Phoenix. Were they one giant craft, or were they many smaller crafts flying in formation? But something we haven't seen in many other cases, and yet that was the case. We gave a double yes. Yeah. Do you remember what year the Phoenix Lights was? I feel like it was a lot later than this. As I said, flying saucer wasn't even an established term when these sightings took place. 1997. Jesus Christ. Almost 50 years later. Well, I mean, here's this is one thing that this case does have going for it is that this is before, you know, UFOs were even appearing in pop culture. 
the 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 thought of silver discs jetting through the sky at 170 miles per hour sorry 1700 miles per hour uh is is so unheard of and otherworldly that it wasn't like Ken Arnold spotted these things and was like is that a UFO he had no conceivable understanding of what it possibly could have been yeah these things didn't exist yet and uh if we have to make one distinction today i think we'll do Ken Arnold a, a favor captain ken and uh isolate his case from that of uh, the Maori UFO incident. Because while I do love the idea of these other UFOs coming down and basically shooting white liquid metal onto uh, individuals, yes, it is, it is remarkable that we don't have more information about this. And the fact that the two witnesses have a bit of a, bit of a sketchy history with not only the paranormal, but the other individuals in this case, it makes it... Yeah, a little, little hard to believe. Yeah, I'm a little worried after they said that their their ship was quote barely seaworthy, because <laughs> I think it might have been a barrel. It might have honestly been a couple of barrels tied together. I I know I said um, all that stuff earlier about the two U.S. investigators dying in the plane crash and how that could have been used to secretly hide uh, the metal. Be fully aware. The U.S. military were furious that that happened, <laughs> that that happened while they were investigating something so nonsensical uh, to the point where charges were almost brought against Harold and Fred uh, for fraud uh, as their story had gone down on paper and had to be noted as officially false. Wow. In a surprising twist, both men quickly admitted that the whole thing had been a hoax that had blown out of proportion. But of course that's what they're gonna say, kid! When, Whose when, side are you on? <laughs> Whose side are you on? <laughs> I'm being so thrown. You got the sunglasses of an MIB. You got the tinfoil hat of a believer. You're telling me that it's all bullshit and that, that it's a hoax. And then you're flipping 180 and now you're telling me that that's what they want us to think? I'm playing both sides so that I always come out on top. <laughs> this is all how right? I win. I'm an MIB. I'm a witness. I'm a human. I'm an alien. Can we get? Can you we can't pin me down. Can we clip out that audio of Roy saying, I'm an MIB? Whoa, maybe not, maybe not. I feel like his voice deepened when he said it. It's kind of f***ed <laughs> up. Um, their admission saved them from prosecution. It's obviously why they did it. Uh, and that was the last time that either of them made any assertions about seeing a UFO ever again. A pretty crazy story from start to finish. Uh, the only final part worth mentioning that is really quite interesting is that while this case is either uh, wildly believed to be either a hoax, uh, a rumor, a story, or just one that is quite hard to believe, uh, it is a big part of UFO history. And as I said, one of the first stories to ever include an encounter with the MIBs, mm. which is interesting and does it make it, it significant in, yeah. in one way. Yeah. And another reason that it is significant is that. I don't know if you remember this. We talked about it on an old podcast. Go on. Do you remember the Majestic 12? <laughs> uh, barely. Now, Remind me. I might be getting some of this wrong, but the Majestic 12 was a series of declassified military files that allegedly told stories and reports of a team of 12 individuals who were tasked with investigating UFO and unidentified phenomenon mm -hmm. in the sky over the years. 
Uh, I think it has been largely debunked hmm. as entirely fake, but uh, it's worth noting that in these files, uh, this particular incident is one of the, the noted UFO cases. Right. Which is kind of interesting that of all the cases that they could have selected, this one was deemed most notable to be included in the files. I mean, at Maori Island now, they actually, uh, on the anniversary, kind of celebrate the event. When I say celebrate, the locals create a large effigy of a UFO and burn it in, okay. in front of everyone while the crowd wears, you guessed it, tinfoil hats. Well, y'all are in my bad books now because if the aliens come down to destroy us, we know why. Right. Because we're 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 taunting them, we're making fun of them, we're burning effigies of them. Yeah, if they were like, you know what? It's been 70 years since that whole us dumping our hot liquid piss all over them. Maybe they've forgiven us. We should go down and say sorry. And they kind of yeah, like... We'll, we'll, we'll bring them an edible arrangement and make smooth everything over. Yeah, and they just zip down and see a perfect replica of the craft. And they're like, oh my God, they... They worship us like gods. We should have come down here way earlier. And then some dude goes, burn it down, boys. They set it on fire. The aliens try and, you know, attack their minds. But everyone's wearing tinfoil hats. And they're mm. like, how did they know? Yeah, it would be a very confusing thing for the aliens to come down and see. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. If they attacked your community, maybe you'd think pretty differently about them. Well, Kit, that takes us to the end of our story. That is the whole journey of this really bizarre case of the Mari Island UFO incident. Uh, as I said, probably worth separating that from the sighting that Captain Ken had on his flight. But today we're looking at the incident involving the UFO dumping liquid metal on a boat. Mm. Where's your head at? Uh, well, that is a pity because that means we're focusing on the one that uh, is bollocks. Um, <laughs> oh, we don't have to come down on it so quickly. We can I, dance I will say, around it. I will it. say that's, uh, yeah, we'll just pay lip service to Ken's uh, sighting, which is to say pretty awesome that some of the military Air Force sightings that are being leaked, let's face it, on the daily in 2023. True. Orbs. Uh, spy balloons uh things in the sky that no one knows what they are videos of that stuff coming out all the time it's crazy that such a long time ago as you say over 70 years well over 70 years ago pilots were seeing the same stuff seeing Poor crazy Ken. stuff if he had just been alive and kicking it in 2023 he would have had at least a viral tiktok on his hands <laughs> uh, but this now in this year he's ostracized from society absolutely no clout he died with no clout. <laughs> zero clout for just saying for just admitting i don't know what it was so pretty cool and also uh, uh, to reiterate loved that it lined up somewhat with the phoenix lights and that definitely gets the uh, the paranormal brainwaves going to try and imagine what these kind of connecting lines are and i'm sure we'll get into that in future investigations but as you say to focus on instead the liquid metal dropping aliens over uh, Maori. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And and you've done a good job today at sowing the seeds of discord and confusion. Sure. Even with your sheer looks today, tinfoil hat, sunglasses, and so on, uh, by playing both sides and showing us that who are we supposed to believe here? Are they truly maniacs and we have to take it on face value that they take back everything they said and... It's pretty tough if they admitted that point blank range that it was a hoax. <laughs> that, that being said, yeah. 
That being said, you know, I always like to bring up Chinese artist Ai Weiwei. Also, after getting abducted by the government um, for weeks, came out and was like, I was on holiday, guys. Yeah. Yeah, on a really relaxing holiday. Anyway, I'm tired now. I'm going to go to sleep. No further questions. Uh, so, of course, the powers that be can make you say whatever they want. Yeah, and it doesn't really take much. You know, I have a brother and a sister. Until a, a guy with a gun tells me to say I don't. And then all of a sudden, guess what? I don't have a... I'm an only child, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> That's all it takes, really. And, and whether it's, a, as you say, a 44 Magnum to the back of your head, or it's just a nice-looking check with a couple zeros on the end, uh, either of those is going to work. Yeah, it's... Yeah, you said it right. It's a very hard case to come down on when your two witnesses straight up say in a courtroom it was a hoax. <laughs> that makes it hard to then go... But I think they are lying. <laughs> it's like, no, no, we really were saying it was a hoax. We didn't want it to go this far. But then you have, yeah, kind of just mildly weird shit happening, like the photos being destroyed and the two guys who go to pick up the evidence dying in a plane crash with the evidence. That's just like, I mean, whatever. It's the 1940s. Maybe planes were going, every other plane went down. <laughs> I don't know. But as we said... I think the most damning part of this whole case is the fact that if Fred was just an uh, an honest, God-fearing harbor patrolman who had this encounter, that would be one thing. He's been to a couple caves. <laughs> yeah. He went to a series of caves and made some very wild claims before this UFO sighting even happened. I think that is literally the, um, the final straw that really uh, breaks the back of this investigation. Uh, so for me, despite my tinfoil hat, it is going to be a no this week. And I guess that makes it a double no this week. Well, there you go, folks. A fascinating story, a fun story, but ultimately what sounds like a false story. But it just goes to show, I think you're bang on. I think it's just as important to talk about the stories we think are real as it is to talk about the stories that are historically important to yeah. the world of the paranormal, to the world of UFOs, stories that inform other cases, that inform the skepticism about UFOs, uh, because now we all, and the people listening at home, have a better understanding of the history of UFOs in America. Exactly. Also, you know, if I just came on this podcast every week with incredibly believable, realistic, and truth-filled UFO stories, you wouldn't know when you were being served a shit sandwich. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, if I came on here and had back-to-back -back evidence for every case, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I'd be rich. <laughs> or at least more <laughs> mentally damaged. <laughs> I would be... If I'd seen the truth. I would be uh, testifying to Congress at this very moment, showing them the photos. Maybe our future podcasts, we need to just take a page out of Fred's book. So it's like... It's like, this is crazy, man. Liquid metal rained down, mummifying a dog, killing it instantly. And you're like, okay, can I see a shred of evidence to prove that? It's like, I could, I could, but you won't even believe this next story, which took place in a cave I was in at the weekend. <laughs> to be fair, I think I, I think I do do that most weeks that I'm hosting. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm listening to you, and the evidence is important to me too. That being said, multiple eyewitnesses said that they saw something <laughs> cool <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of this paranormal life i hope you had a blast 
And of course, if you are listening to this podcast, you're only getting half the experience because we are recording the video to this podcast and putting clips out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, everywhere you want them. Space, beaming them into space. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're going to want to check out the videos for this week's podcast because while we did have a an ad break halfway through the podcast, it's time for our final ad break of the episode. Really? Are you worried that someone upstairs is going to foil your plan? Then boy, do I have a hat for you. Come on down to Rory's tinfoil emporium Rory's winking into the camera. where you can get anything happening. you want made out of foil foil hats foil underwear foil weapons your hat looks like shit i don't know why anyone would want anything you could make out of tinfoil come on down now and for the low low price of 29.95 down at rory's foil emporium things have never been lower morale <laughs> My monthly projections, financial forecasting, and also the prices. Just talk to me about it. If you want to do such a thing, uh, I mean, I, I could help you. I could help do the read, but you just, you sprung this on me completely last second. Honestly, I'm making such little money per hat. Bringing anyone into the operation would just Which is insane profit. because it literally costs nothing. The materials cost absolutely nothing. How could you not be making money? To, the labor hours to just craft one of these f***ing things. It takes me days to make one hat. It doesn't I'm fit. I'm just getting really stressed. <laughs> it's so small. Can I finish my ad? At least, at the very least, do me the courtesy of letting me finish the ad. Fine. It feels kind of pathetic now, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I know it does. I know it does. That's why I'm trying to rewrite on the fly to make it sound cooler, okay? Right, um, give it a go. Shit! Sorry, I'm getting really angry now. And I feel like that's going to come through in the ad. Fuck. Probably. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm, so I'm really... I'm just really, I need to reset the mic if you're going <laughs> to swear at that I'm just volume. really pissed off because I feel like... I feel like I spent age, I spent borderline days making this hat. And there's only like three left and no one's buying them. Because there were only ever four made and I'm wearing one of them. So... Maybe we could get back to the Patreon plug and maybe we could say we're going to give them away. We do a monthly Patreon raffle where we give away stuff from the show. Maybe we could give away Rory, Rory's own... Unclench your fists. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so tense. We could give away some of Rory's uh, signature tinfoil hats. How does that feel? So we could, we could like... That could be like a Patreon reward or something? Yeah. For like a monthly raffle? Yeah. Can we do that actually? I'll make, I'll make a hat? Yeah. They need to be better than that though. We That's need to actually... step the game up. Actually, kind of cheered me up a little bit. That actually, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Let's okay. give away the hats. Maybe, maybe we'll, okay, we'll, we'll we'll get some high quality tinfoil hats and we'll we'll send those off to can patrons. I, can I finish the ad though, real quick, still, bud? Sure. How would you like to have the brainwave of the of a fucking bee? This thing will block all neurological function. We know that. We know that. Stop your enemies from knowing what you're thinking. By having no thoughts at all. <laughs> Head on down to Rory's Tinfoil Foil Emporium, <laughs> where the only thing thin is the price. What is the price, Rory? $25.99. That's, that's $2,599. Oh my god, no one is going to pay that. That's why no one's buying them. And then you agreed for us to give them away on the Patreon? That's insane. There you go. Just had to get the ad out of the way. <laughs> Just <laughs> nothing to say. Just look at the camera. <laughs> It's like, look when you have the thought. 
Look when you know what you're going to say. Uh, thanks. Thank you. Just had to get that out there. You feel better or less angry? Yes. Yes. Way less angry. That's cool. So, yes. Uh, well, there's a great another reason to head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life where you get a ton of amazing rewards, including bonus audio, bonus episodes, cool merchandise, shout outs on the podcast. And now this month, you actually are entered into a raffle to be able to win Rory's Tinfoil Emporium Tinfoil Hats. It's, with, it's a street, with a street value of $2599. Yeah, but I mark Quite each hat, so don't even try and resale it or I'll know that it's you. Okay. I mark them with a bomb. Oh my god. So right. if you try and sell it, it we goes off. We are done. We are that is insane and illegal and I don't know why I expected anything less. Uh, of course, along with tinfoil hats and bonus audio, you can also get some pretty cool rewards on the podcast such as your own shout out at the end of the episodes. And that's what we're going to do right now. So special thank you to Stephanie Tyler. Come on down, Stephanie Tyler's tiles. We got tiles of every shape, every size, every thickness. Nice. You, sir, could I interest you in a tinfoil towel? Tinfoil towel. Now you're speaking my language, amigo. It doesn't amigo. really absorb water or any liquid. It absorbs thoughts. Ooh, Other I'll take peoples. seven. <laughs> I'll take 17. Complete the look. <laughs> Thanks to Erica Engel. Erica, what's your angle? I can't figure it out. I don't know what you're trying to get out of this this transaction, you know? Yeah, Erica. What's your, what's your angle here? Erica emailed us and was like, love the show. Just wanted to support you guys on Patreon. Keep up all the good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the angle? Yeah. What's your, what's the angle? Wait, what's her saying? Angle. What's the angle? What's the angle here, huh? You trying to butter us up so you can throw us in an oven like that witch? <sighs> yeah, you better get your angle straight because right now you're being obtuse. <laughs> nice, dude. Thanks to Scott McConaughey. Scott McConaughey is made of mahogany. He's a wood man made of wood. Woo! I love that. He, uh, he, he, it was a bit like um, Robocop. He died almost and they kind of brought him back to life, but they didn't know this was back in like the fucking 20s or something. Sure. Didn't really have the technology to put him inside of a robot, so they, they kind of made him a wood body. <laughs> they hammered his skeleton to a log and hoped it would kind of bring him back to life and it didn't it didn't so he's kind of a tree now thanks also to Addy Cox Addy the caddy if you're uh, if you're ever taking a little swing around the the paranormal commune golf course don't forget yep. your caddy Addy who um, doesn't have one of those little go-karts or anything like that they kind of just carry no. everything on their back kind of like a, like a, a fucking what are those guys called who run in the desert sand donkeys what are they called Camels. Camels, like a camel. She kind of just, she kind of just, they just kind of hold it all on their back like a sand donkey. So thank you, Addy. Thanks, lastly but not leastly, today to Zach Owens. Zach, thank you for joining the Patreon. Very soon, you might be owning your own tinfoil hat. Your very own tinfoil hat. Could be, could be. If you're a lucky guy. I will say, if you do win it and you, you, uh, it's just an envelope, uh, it is because I smushed the hat. I smushed the hat down into a 2D shape so I could pay less to send it. So it's just regular tinfoil. It's a sheet of tinfoil. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But uh, but there are instructions inside on how you can reshape it into a hat. Uh, So so I hope you enjoy. I hope everyone enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, We will be back with another Paranormal Tale next Tuesday. We'll be back with the after party on Friday for patrons. And there'll be another bonus episode coming your way very soon. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Ciao.
If you are somebody who loves all things spooky, then Real Life Ghost Stories podcast is the one for you. My name is Emma. I am the host of Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. And every week I bring to you three podcast episodes that are full to the brim with paranormal stories. Every Wednesday and Friday, I release a mini episode, which is dedicated to the spooky stories of our listeners. And every Sunday, we deep dive into a famous paranormal case. You can find Real Life Ghost Stories wherever you get your podcasts.